Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Today we're going to be diving into the key lessons learned from this book. And this is something you should definitely listen to because Peter Thiel has not only been successful in business, but he also has Peter Thiel Capital, which is one of the uh, capital foundations that are really running that space. And he's been successful in multiple different industries. Um, a very, very brilliant man. His um, director at Thiel Capital is Eric Weinstein, who I'm a huge, huge um, advocate for. He uh, is a physicist and just a brilliant mathematician. So let's dive right into this book. To imagine what progress the future will bring, you must be able to view the present differently. Now, what does this mean to you? Well, most people, the way they think, and even if they're thinking this subconsciously, is, well, just because this is the way things are done now and used to be done, that's the way it will always be. This is kind of the classic uh, example of Carol S. Dweck, her book Mindset, which is really the fixed versus the growth mindset. Certain people have this fixed mentality where things do not change. You know, your athletic ability, that's just the, what, what you're born with. Your intelligence, that's just how you were born. Your ability to uh, play the piano, that's just how you were born. And then other people have the belief that these things are changing on a daily basis. Whether, you know, it's, it's kind of your inputs dictate your output. So if you're inputting um, training into your mind, like if, if you're spending an hour a day on the piano, an hour a day on um, building intelligence, so like memory games, reading, things like this, and then maybe an hour a day on um, athletic things, you're growing every day, ideally. And this is kind of the growth versus fixed mentality. And the interesting thing with this is the true point of view is the growth. You know, really nothing is fixed. We, we change on a cellular level every single day. And the people that have this belief um, really, really can't have this clear view of what progress will bring in the future. And that's why, you know, we kind of started this out saying you must be able to view the present differently. Progress can be divided into horizontal and vertical. And we'll, we'll go into this. Horizontal progress is what comes from expanding on existing innovations and ideas. Vertical progress is what comes from creating something new that did not exist before. This is going from zero to one. You can only see the future when you are looking beyond established conventions. Monopolies are often misunderstood. They are good for society as they drive progress and encourage other businesses to come up with better solutions and compete with the dominant company. And this is a very, very interesting one. Um, you know, we talked about uh, horizontal versus vertical and going from zero to one. Basically, um, you can only see the future when you're looking beyond these established conventions. And one of the established conventions is that monopolies are bad. But really what we find is monopolies are not bad and monopolies are not what people think. In any given industry, if you are, there's a hierarchy. In, in life, there's a hierarchy. In nature, there's a hierarchy. And it's a dominance hierarchy. And if you're at the top of that hierarchy, some people think you have a monopoly. For example, um, the top tech CEOs, you know, Jeff Bezos, um, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Tim Cook at Apple, um, and then the Google CEO, I can't remember his exact name, but uh, they were all interviewed and really um, by uh, the Senate and Congress. And 
one of the reasons that they are able to just kind of use kind of verbal judo to skirt around some of these questions is they don't really have true monopolies. There are other competitors. And as long as you're in a big industry, um, other people will be hopefully incentivized to make money, incentivized to, uh, you know, innovate. And part of this means is someone will always be at the top of that dominance hierarchy. You can't just artificially manipulate something and go, we're going to spread out, we're going to make it so people can't use um, Facebook and Instagram. We're going to go, no, we're going to build these other three companies um, and evenly disperse them to these other CEOs. No, no, no. And and then like 25% of the users have to use this, 25% of the users have to use that. That's when you get into a totalitarian system. And if anyone suggests that, really, really question their beliefs. Talk to them about Maoist China, Stalin's Russia, Hitler's Germany. It's very, very important to um, think deeply on these things because um, what we learn if you study history is the more um, down the rabbit hole you go with um, that idea, that kind of totalitarian idea or that um, socialist idea that we should just evenly disperse this and, and there should be no hierarchy is just false. That's not how things naturally occur. And um, if you study history, you'll find that anyone who has um, implemented those ideas, really it hasn't turned out that well. It's resulted in lots of deaths, lots of tragedy. So typically monopolies share a combination of four characteristics. Technological advantage, network effects, economies of scale, and great branding. This is something that's very, very interesting. Look at um, Scott Galloway's book, Four. It's like the four horsemen of the future, which is Google, Facebook, Apple, and Amazon. All of these companies have technological advantages over their competitors. Google has quantum computing currently. Amazon has the e-commerce space really, really wrapped with um, their interface and um, two-day shipping, all these amazing things Jeff Bezos implemented to um, better help the customer. And then you have Apple with kind of the Ferrari of um, technology as far as devices goes. And then, um, you know, you you have, uh, let's see, uh, Facebook. Facebook has an insane algorithm, an insane amount of users. And then you move on to network effects. All of these things have network effects. All of these brands are also brand names. That's part of great branding and network effects. Network effects is basically um, utilizing the platform. So in all of these massive companies you see, you know, like Uber owns no cars, Airbnb owns no houses, Amazon really doesn't... um, have any of their own products, it's, it's just a marketplace. It's a platform where other people can utilize it. And, you know, they're incentivized by monetary gain. And this is something that actually ends up working out pretty well. And it's like reciprocity, you know, it's mutually beneficial. And um, let's see, when analyzing a business, look, for, look at these four characteristics to see if they have a monopoly. And this is something that's very, very interesting because you want a business, again, you want a business with a monopoly. People get this confused. You know, they think that a monopoly just equals a negative. No, that's not how things work. A monopoly is actually something that that shows that you have worked very, very hard to get to the top of that dominance hierarchy. And it's it really comes down to um, your ability to innovate, your ability to... Uh, to be, have a competitive edge over everyone else and push forward and use that vertical um, innovation instead of just horizontal innovation. 
And you see these in these four massive companies. You see this in um, you know anyone who's very very successful in their field is is what they've done is they've created a moat around themselves. And when you're an investor and you're looking at great companies to kind of uh, ride the coattails of and hopefully gain a little bit of their earnings, if you understand the company well enough, understand the CEOs, the people behind it, it can be very very powerful to also analyze if they have those four characteristics: the great branding, network effect technological advantage, and you know the other one. So when trying to go from zero to one, remember, you don't need to be the very best in every business, just your business. This is why it is so important to define your market in narrowly and specifically as possible. Going from a tiny niche to a larger market is how Jeff Bezos built Amazon. He first tapped into the book industry. And then he used this to create the everything store. And this is something that's very, very interesting. Also, when you kind of analyze um, all these top CEOs have used these, uh, these kind of factors that are at play with, um, with a niche. So you find a little niche. Um, for example, Facebook started out connecting college students, kind of like connecting college students together to uh, increase sociability. And then they moved on to an economy of scale. And by the way, that was the fourth characteristic. Um, of monopolies, so economies of scale, meaning everybody uses Facebook. Now it's a bit more of the uh, older demographic, but it used to be, you know, a very, very young person's thing. You know, in middle school, I remember all the uh, popular girls used Facebook. I always refused to use Facebook, and the only reason I ever got it was um, uh, it was just a group I was in, and they kind of required Facebook for groups. And uh, anyways, I, I don't think long-term, the way we see social media now um, is the way it will be, you know, just kind of like we talked about in the beginning, the people with the mentality of this is the way things currently are, that's the way they always will be, um, not a very good mindset, uh, something you kind of want to eradicate and hopefully innovate from. So we will pick up with part two tomorrow. Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and subscribe and until next time.